Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff Spirky Abashir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Perky Abbas Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. And away we go. Okay, this is an exciting week of uh, Mishnayas, but there, there just happens to be a conglomeration of a very important Mishnayas sort of packed one right after the other. So today's Mishnah says as follows. Hevikal Larosh that Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Shmuel says, and we'll talk about who Rabbi Shmuel was in a little bit, but Rabbi Shmuel and Rabbi Shmuel says, Rosh, that you have to be um, light to the Rosh, to the head. And I'll talk about what that means in a moment. And you have to be more easygoing with Tishchores. And again, we'll talk about that. And you have to receive... Um, every person besimcha, every person with joy. So, what does that mean? Let's just give, um, let, let's just give an understanding of the words of what's being of what's being taught to us here. So, the first thing that being taught to us, kalu rosh, and there is in the Rishonim many different ways of understanding these words of kalu rosh and We're going to take one um, one tack for the way that we're going to understand the mission, and kalu rosh and means that you have to be respectful of the ones that are above you, Larosh, to the leadership, to, to those that have positions of authority above you. Noach letishchores means they have to be respectful of your position when you're dealing with people that are smaller than you. That you can't, you can't be too rough, you can't be too, um, you can't lord it over them too much. And what many of the commentaries say that Noach letishchores is that you have to be careful not to sink down to their level. That's not the way of leadership, is by sinking down to the level of those beneath you, but rather of raising them up to you. So the mission is telling us, talking about the people that are on top of us, the people that are below us, and then talking about our colleagues. It's talking about people that are on our level, so then we have to be, we, we have to be them with simcha, we have to receive them with, um, with simcha, with happiness, with joy. Now, first of all, what's the connective tissue? I understand the Kalarosh, Noch Latashkaras having Makabal. The way I'm explaining it is, is that we're talking about up, we're talking about down, and we're talking about across, that you have to be respectful to people. Okay, but but what is what's really connecting all of these things? The second is, is that why do I need the middle category? Once I tell you that you have to be respectful to people on top of you. And you have to be respectful to the people below you. So then once I tell you you have to be respectful to the people on top, you've really covered everybody, uh, you know, everybody down. And if I tell you, okay, you have to be respectful to the people below you, then certainly have to be respectful to the people that are on your level. I don't need all three categories. Why do I need the third category, really the second category, but be respectful to people that are small than you. If I have to be respectful to people that are, that are equal to me, then I certainly have to be respectful to everybody. I've covered everybody. And I'm, I'm sorry, why do I need the second category? Because once you tell me that I, have to be, I have to be respectful to the 
the lowest people. So then, of course, I have to be respectful of the people that are that, that are in between the top, the bottom, and then certainly the middle is covered also. So why do I need all three categories here? What's the mission really teaching me? And I have I have also I think a very big problem that every makabel is called adam b'simcha. Ladies, gentlemen, do we remember this? Remember Shammai in the first chapter? Having Makabal is called Adam, Besaver Ponim Yafos, that you have to greet everybody with a Saver Ponim Yafos with a good countenance. We've covered this already. And remember, I've, I've taught, and a principle that we use in order to be able to explain Mishnayos, that the Pirkei does not repeat itself. And if Pirkei does not repeat itself, then it's teaching me a new thing. What's it teaching me new? It's saying really almost the exact same thing that Shammai said. And it was actually very shocking coming from Shammai because Shammai was the tough guy. So we didn't really expect to hear that from Shammai. And, and yet, yet we believe that Shammai said, we, we understand, I'm sorry, that Shammai said, having the Kabbalists call them to say, upon him, you have to greet everybody with a good countenance because there was nothing wrong with Shammai. Shammai wasn't a bad guy. He just had a bit of a tougher way of dealing with things. So what's the nuance here? What's being taught to me? The Chidosh here in the Kabbalists call them to Simcha. So, on a very simple level, what I think that the mission is teaching me is, the mission is teaching me that I have to be respectful. I have to be respectful of the people above me. I have to be respectful of the people below me. I have to be respectful of my colleagues. And it's telling me that you have to live your life being respectful of other people and their positions. You have to be respectful of the relationship and deal within the context of a relationship. When you're speaking with somebody above you, then you have to speak with them in a certain kind of way. When you're speaking with somebody below you, you have to be even more careful with their dignity and be more careful and respectful of who they are. And that's a beautiful message. But I don't think that it stops there. I think that this mission is telling us actually something even more dramatic. To understand what the mission is telling us, let's understand who Rabbi Yishmael was. So Rabbi Yishmael, we know every morning in our davening on page 48 in your art school sitter, we say Rabbi Yishmael, Omer, the Shloshes Remidos HaTorah Nidrashis Plan, with 13 different ways the Torah was expounded. And Rabbi Yishmael gives us rules of how to understand, it's called the, the exegetical rules of the Torah, to understand how to expound the Torah, how to be able to take the wording of the Torah and to be able to understand many things that exist behind those words. One of the principles that Rabbi Yishmael teaches is, is that if there is a word in one place in the Torah, and the same word appears in another place in the Torah, just like in place number one, it teaches me something, in place number two, it teaches me something also. The classic example is that we know by marriage, when you marry someone, you give them a ring. A man gives the woman a ring and he says, And how do we know that a ring is the vehicle by which we enact this marriage, which we make this kinyon, we make this acquisition of marriage? So we understand it from Avram Avinu, from Abraham, when he bought a burial place for Sarah. Now, what's the shaykhs between marriage and a burial place? And I'm, that's not the beginning of a bad joke. But, but what's, the, what's the connection between, between those two things? The, when it comes to a burial place for Sarah, it says that he bought, uses the word, a form of the word kach, that he bought 
a burial place for Sarah. When it talks about marriage, it says, Ki yikach ishisha. And Rabbi Yishmael understood the tradition that was taught from Moshe, that if there is the word kicha by marriage, and there is the word kicha by burial place, just like when Avram Avinu bought a burial place for his wife, he used money, so too when, we, when the Torah tells us ki yikach ishisha, it has to be done through money. And, and that's translated itself into a ring, but to, through anything with monetary value. That's called the Gezerah Shava. That's looking at the Torah in a very, very broad way. In order to be able to say Gezerah Shava, it has to be um, a tradition that was received from one's teacher who got it from their teacher, who got it from their teacher, ultimately got it from Moshe and Mansane. But these keys, to be able to put halachos back when they get lost, to be able to look at the Torah and to be able to see the elasticity and the flexibility of Torah, so then that was taught to us. It was canonized by Rabbi Yishmael. Rabbi Yishmael very often would say the following halacha, that if you see a Torah scholar sin at night, so then you have to assume by the morning you have to not hold it against them. And the reason is, is because you have to assume that he has done tshuva, that he's repented. Because Rabbi Yishmael had a lot of faith in the concept of tshuva and he had a lot of faith in the concept of tshuva by rabbis. Rabbi Shmuel understood and had a, had a way to see the world and that he was very flexible. He wasn't a rigid person. He was able to look at it and say that, that for sure I trust and I believe in people and for sure that they're going to have done tshuva. Rabbi Shmuel also wanted to prohibit wine and meat after the temple was destroyed. Wine, because wine was used in the libations in the temple service. Meat, because meat, the meat of sacrifices. And he wanted us to never forget the fact that the temple was destroyed. And he felt that by taking away wine and meat, then that would keep it on the front burner, keep it on the front of people's minds, that they would understand that they can never forget the destruction of the temple. But he understood that people weren't going to be able to withstand and be able to, to deal with that. So he made other decrees because he understood you can only make rules that people can stand by. And that even though he thought that it was the proper way, it was what a Jew should do, should give up in his life wine and meat, nevertheless he understood that he needed to be flexible. Rabbi Yishmael also made many decrees to protect the Jewish woman. Rabbi Yishmael was also of the understanding and the belief that a person had to take his Torah learning and his livelihood and integrate the two of them together. There was a machlokas which we have touched upon in the past, but there was a machlokas about what is the proper way for a person to live, whether a person has to have total bitachon and just throw himself into learning and his parnasa will be taken care of, or whether a person has to integrate the two. And Rabbi Yishmael was of the opinion that he had to integrate the two. And the Talmud says that many followed Rabbi Yishmael's way and were successful, were successful both in their business and were successful in their Torah. What is the tzad hashave, the commonality between these teachings of Rabbi Yishmael that tells me a little bit about who Rabbi Yishmael was? Flexibility. Rabbi Yishmael had the ability to be able to be flexible, to look at the law and to say, this is an rigid interpretation, this is what it would be, but we need to make this a living Torah. This needs to be a Torah schayim. This needs to be a Torah that we can handle, that we can live by. And therefore, it requires a certain degree of flexibility. 
But where does flexibility come from? What is that mida of flexibility? What is that characteristic of flexibility? What is rigidity? When a person is rigid, why is a person rigid? So I'll tell you that when it talks about Mashiach and the generation before Mashiach comes, so the Gemara mentions that the generation before Mashiach comes is going to look look like the, the follows, that there's going to be what's called chutzpah yazgi, that chutzpah, insolence, is going to reign. Children are going to be insolent against their parents. Daughter-in-laws are not going to get in, not going to get in, um, not going to get along with their mother-in-laws. And pnei hador kipnei akelev. And the face of the generation is going to look like the face of a dog. Now, what all that means, why is this the way the world is going to look before Mashiach comes? And, and why, we understand that before Mashiach comes, the world is going to disintegrate. Why is this a description of disintegration? It's bad. Parents not getting along with children, children not getting along with parents. And that's why it says that Yohan Novi is going to come, Vehishiv Lev Avos Habonim, that he's going to return the hearts of the children to their parents, the parents to their children. But, but why is this a description of the world hitting rock bottom? Because we know the Mashiach is going to come either when we hit the absolute top, that it's going to come as a reward for the work that we've done and the elevation that we've done to the Jewish nation, or Mashiach is going to come when we've reached rock bottom. Why is this a description of rock bottom. So, when does an animal bite? Usually, when it feels threatened. When a person feels threatened and a person feels under attack, then you attack back. When a person is criticized and they're very unsure of themselves, so then they usually react in a very negative way to that, to, to, to that criticism. But it's not because the criticism was wrong or the criticism was said in a way that it shouldn't have been said. It's because the person themselves feels insecure about themselves and therefore did not hear the criticism, but felt that a criticism, felt that that criticism was an attack. In the generation before Mashiach, children reject their parents because a child feels threatened. And why does a child feel threatened? Because a child knows that it has to be grateful for everything that a parent does. But if a child doesn't feel so sure about themselves, so then that gratitude is saying to them that they're recognizing through being grateful to their parents they're recognizing that they could not have done it on their own. That without their parent, they couldn't have stood on their own two feet. And what you're doing to me, without realizing that you're doing this, by criticizing me, by me feeling the need to have to, to, have to show gratitude to you, I'm admitting that I can't do it alone, and you're taking away, I feel like you're taking away from me. 
You know, one of the most difficult things is hakara satov, is showing gratitude to another person. And the reason why it's so complicated to show gratitude, real gratitude, I don't mean just saying thank you. Saying thank you is not gratitude. Saying thank you is what your, your parents taught you to be polite and to be a human being in this world. Somebody gives you something, say thank you. But real gratitude, feeling grateful over something that somebody else did for you, feeling as if I did not have this. And if I did not have this, I would be, my life would be missing. And thank you so much for filling that hole in my life. That sense of gratitude comes along with a sense of I couldn't have done this myself. Only a healthy person can feel that gratitude because that statement of I couldn't have done this by myself, if you're healthy, then that says I am so appreciative. It takes a village to, to raise a person. A man was not created to be alone. I'm so thrilled that I have people like this in my life that worry about me. But if you're not sure of who you are, you're not sure of your accomplishments, you're not sure if, if you really do anything or mean anything, so then when you say that somebody else helped you, what you're saying is, is that because Nebuchadnezzar couldn't do it alone, it becomes now a negative statement about yourself, not a beautiful statement of I'm so thrilled that I have people in my life that are taking care of me, but rather it just underscores the fact that I am incapable of doing all the things that I need to do for myself. Prima Shiach, when we say that the world hits rock bottom, the world is going to lose, people are going to lose their self-respect. And that's rock bottom. And therefore, children are going to rebel against their parents, daughter-in-laws against their mother-in-laws. When a mother-in-law says something to a daughter-in-law, it's going to be seen as a threat. But the reason it's going to be seen as a threat because the daughter-in-law is not confident in herself. She's not confident in her relationship. She's not confident in her abilities not confident in what she's doing and therefore feels that what her parent is saying, what the parent-in-law is saying, is a criticism that is tearing down her very foundation because her foundation is itself very shaky. Every person is going to feel this sense of threat. Every person is going to feel this sense of, being, of not, not seeing themselves as being valuable. You know, I'll give you some great examples. When a person leans, so a lot of times they make a mistake, so then the people around them will correct them. Now, if a person approaches their leaning, then all they want to do is lean perfectly for the cow, and they just want to do a job for the cow, then when somebody corrects you, you inside say, thank you so much, because I know I'm not perfect at this. But if a person is not sure of themselves, not sure of what they're doing and why they're doing it, and a lot of it is mixed in with their own self-esteem, somebody corrects you and it feels as if they've smacked you over the head and said, you dummy, don't you know that it's supposed to be this word and not that word? And they never meant that. And sometimes they didn't mean that. And, and sometimes they, they, didn't, they weren't saying it that way, but you take it that way because you're not sure of yourself and you're not sure of who you are. You know, your mother, to, mother tells a child, wear, wear your gloves. It's cold outside. The child says, you know, mommy, I've been outside for three hours and my hands are not cold. I'm, I'm doing fine. And the mother presses it again. The mother says, sweetie, wear your gloves. A child who is sure of themselves says, my mother loves me. She wants me to wear her gloves. Whether I'm going to put them on or not is a whole other story. But, but I know that she loves me and she's asking me to put my gloves on. 
But a child who's not sure of their mother's love and a child who's not sure of themselves and who they are, hears that as the mother saying, you're an idiot. You need to put on gloves. You don't know that it's cold out there. You don't even understand. I know better than you put these gloves on. And the child feels diminished. It happens to us all the time. But what's the danger of having no self-respect? The danger of having no self-respect is that we can commit the worst of transgressions. Because a person who doesn't respect themselves can do all kinds, all kinds of things. The concern is not really the transgression. The concern is what got you to that transgression, which is the lack of self-respect. And that's what makes a person rigid because I need to define who I am and I'm not comfortable with who I am and therefore I have to stay within that definition and I have to defend that place. A person who's flexible, person looks at it and goes, I know who I am. If I have to be a little lenient over here, if I have to be, if I have to make a little exception to the rule over the year, it's not going to shake my picture of myself. I'm able to look at people and to be able to understand what people need because I'm perfectly comfortable with who I am. And I know what situation I need to be strong in, what situation I need to be a little softer in. And ultimately, what the mission is teaching us is rule number one is teaching me respect authority. Rule number two is, which is really rule number three, but respect even people that are on your level and people that are below your level. Greet them with simcha. Then what's the middle level? Is respect yourself. Because if you don't respect yourself, if you're not noach mutashcharis, if you're not acting and being in a way that is dignified to you, so then you can end up doing the craziest of things. Fascinatingly, if you look at the next Mishnah, the very beginning of the next Mishnah, Schok v'Kalos Roshim, Magilin Erva. Schok and Kalos Roshim, we're going to deal with this tomorrow in a totally different context, but but laughter and kalas rosh, which really means undignified behavior, magil and erva can bring a person to erva, to, to sexual crimes. Really? Joking around can bring you every time is going to bring you to sexual crimes. What it means is, is that when a person acts in a way that's not, that doesn't show self-respect, you can end up even in erva, you can end up even in doing ridiculous things. Because what is covered, as we've mentioned before, it's kaved. It's recognizing the heaviness, recognizing the value of something. Giving kavod is recognizing how important something is and feeling a sense of kavod, being mechubad, being a person of honor, is a person who recognizes their own value. When a person can honor, if you look carefully in the Ten Commandments, Honoring mother and father, commandment number five, is across from the commandment 
of don't be jealous. And the rabbis ask always, why are the commandments across from each other? Why is one across from, from, from six and two across from seven? Why is five across from 10? Because there is a connection between the commandments. One of the explanations that our rabbis give, that if a person can honor their parents, that means that they have a sense of self. They have a sense of self-respect. They don't feel their parents as a threat to them, as pulling away who they are, and therefore they have an ability to be able to respect them. If you have self-respect, if you know who you are, so then you're comfortable with what you have and what you've been blessed with, and jealousy fades away. That's what it means that Pnei Dork and Pnei Kelev, that in the time of Mashiach, the face of the generation is going to be the face of a dog. What does a dog do? A dog walks before its master. And it looks like it's really, it's really leading the master. But it's always looking behind it to make sure that the master is walking, is, 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 is walking in the right direction. And if the master changes his direction, then the dog changes his direction to be in front of the master. The generation before Mashiach, the leadership will constantly be changing itself in order to be able to stay in front of the people. Because they'll do anything to make sure that people are listening to them because they understand that they don't, they, they don't have a sense of self. They don't have a sense to be able to turn to the people and say, this is the way we need to do it. This is the way that it needs to get done. This is the right way to do it. They're constantly changing themselves, but changing their very values and principles. Not understanding flexibility in halacha means to understand the nature of the person that you're dealing with, to understand what they can handle, what they can do how to best uplift them. This is, I'm going to change my fundamentals in order to be able to make sure that I stay as the leader of these people. And that's what's missing in the generation before Mashiach comes, a sense of self. And that's what Rabbi Yishmael is teaching us. Rabbi Yishmael is teaching, respect authority, respect people, and most importantly, respect yourself. My thoughts. I never understand when I, when I write my, when I you know, learn through the Mishnah and write my notes, I always look at it and go, oh, that's going to take me like three days. 9.14, just turned 9.15. I can't believe I got that in. But, but it's a, I, think, I think it's a, a, a beautiful way of seeing the Mishnah. I'm certainly a little, you know, a, a little unique, but I think that that's what Rabbi Yishmael is teaching us. Tomorrow, we're going to re-see that first line that I said, but see that in the context of uh, fence building in, uh, in Jewish life. That's a fascinating idea. Rabbi, the, the Mishnah does not address the generational loss of self-esteem, does it? Of, of why there's a loss of self-esteem. Right. It could, I, I, you know, I, would, I would venture a guess that it's a, a loss of, uh, of Tzalem Elohim. In other words, once, once Darwin says that, you know, this becomes the prevailing theology of the times and says that we are all descended of apes, that's, that's a pretty strong loss of self-esteem. Right. It's a loss of self-esteem and also loss of respect to, to, generations, to generations that come before you because they were just closer to monkeys. There's a tremendous Misa 
of Rebecca Kamenetsky was on a plane with a, it happened to be they were on the same plane was coming from Eretz to America. There was also a, a member of Knesset, an older person, and Rabbi Yaakov had his grandchild with him. And Rabbi Yaakov's grandchild was, you know, the whole trip was saying, Zadie, what can I get you? Zadie, what can I get you? What can I do for you? And uh, this member of Knesset turns to, to Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky and he says, and he says to Rabbi Yaakov, he says, well, I don't understand. He says, how is it possible your, your grandchild Mom is just doting over you the whole time. He says, my grandchildren, I'm as important to them as the gifts that I give them. So, so how, do you, how do you get this? So he says, it has to do with what we believe in. He says, we believe in Torah Sinai, and you believe in Darwin. He says, in, for, your, for your grandchildren, you're one step closer to a monkey. He says, my grandchildren look at me and they see I'm one step closer to Mount Sinai. No. And therefore, yeah. my grandchildren look at me and they say, oh, my, my Zayda, he was, he's one step closer to Moshe Rabbeinu and to, and to Maimon Sinai. Therefore, I have to give him respect. The, the, in the world, when, you know, in the Darwin world, we look, at a, we look at a person and we say, you're one, one step closer to, to monkeys, one step less, more less developed than me. And therefore, there isn't that, that natural sense of, um, of respect. Anyway, just a thought.